Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 27. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Ooh, that's a, that's a pretty serious teaching. That's pretty deep stuff. So let's talk about what, what Jesus teaches us here in these few verses. And there's really four things I want you to see this morning. Number one, I want you to see this morning that Jesus is teaching us that if it's a sin in practice, it's a sin in thought. If it's a sin in practice, it's a sin in thought. He says, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. When he says anyone who looks lustfully, he's talking about thoughts, friends. And there's there's huge implications there. Let's just be honest. That means that sin isn't just about the external stuff that we do, but it's about the internal stuff that we think. And, and, and that has massive repercussions for us as Christians, doesn't it? We, we learned that last week when we looked at murder, right? And, and we talked about the fact that uh, you can't externalize that command. We, we, we looked at the fact that, that evil actions are always birthed from, from evil thoughts, right? And, and, and so we, we began to look at that deal. And, and we learned when we looked at murder that, that Jesus said it's not just about committing the act, right? He says if, if, if you even condemn somebody... He says, if you think that somebody is a bad person, if you judge them that way, or you think that they're dumb, he says that, that in that moment that you condemn them, you, you think that you're better. And the moment that you think that you're better, you've paved the way to get rid of somebody. And that, in essence, is what murder is about, isn't it? That, in essence, is what divorce is about when we talk about it next week. That, in essence, is what adultery is about. When we start thinking that we're better than somebody, we start thinking that we have more rights than the other party. That's, that's at the heart of it. And Jesus says, listen, that's sin. And so we started looking, we came face to face with Christ's teachings. And, and after all, that's a big deal since Christ is the head of this whole Christianity thing. And, and, and so we started looking at that. And the more and more we looked at it, the harder that it became to swallow that truth. And, and we learned clearly that, listen, this thing cannot just be about our external actions, but the word of God actually judges the thoughts of men and women, and that is a deep, far-stretching, far-reaching, far-searching truth. That's the first thing that Jesus says to us here. He says, listen, and we're going to talk about adultery. We're going to talk about lust. First thing you have to know is it's just not an act. It's not something you just that just happens. Says if it's a sin in practice, it's also a sin in thought. And guys, that applies to every sin in the Bible. If it's a sin in practice to be judgmental, then it's a sin when you judge someone in your minds. If it's a practice to, to gossip, or if it's a practice sin to, to gossip, right? Then, then when we're thinking things about people, oh, this juicy nugget, I just got to pass it on as a prayer request. Not a gossip. I'm a prayer warrior. What, what is this? Right? That's what people have asked us before. How, how come you don't have a prayer chain? And I said, a prayer chain or a gossip chain? Because I think we got one of those. It's already up and running. We didn't have to establish anything. It's natural. 
prayer requests are in the bulletin in case you're wondering. We do it that way. It's just less likely for there to be gossip. If it's a sin in practice, it's a sin in thought. It's the first thing that we learn. Here's the second thing that we learn here. We learn that adultery of the heart is a result of adultery of the eyes. Adultery of the heart is always a result of adultery of the eyes. If you look at verse 28, it says, But I, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed a, adultery in their heart. Again, evil actions are birthed from evil thoughts. And, and we know where evil thoughts and desires come from, don't we? We studied this last week. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Jesus tells us that those evil thoughts come from within our heart. He says, For out, out of the heart comes evil thoughts and murder and adultery and, and sexual immorality and theft. Now, now, but how do those things get in your heart? Well, we say, well, because sin reigns there, of course, because I'm a sinner, they come out of my heart. But yeah, but, but how, do the, how do thoughts and images and things like that get into our heart? Well, the answer, of course, is that they come in through our eyes and into our minds. And eventually, if we don't guard our minds, they'll settle down into our hearts and become part of who we are. You know, Job understood that. See, Job understood, and by the way, the Bible says about Job that there, there wasn't anybody like him on earth at the time that he was living. He was a righteous man according to God. And, and Job understood this thing, that listen, if, if he didn't want to commit adultery in his heart, he better not commit adultery with his eyes. And so Job made a covenant with his eyes. Check this out in Job 31.1. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. That was his covenant. I love how the message puts it. This is what the message says about it. Ah. It says, there we go, get a remote. Ah, it says, I made a solemn pact with myself never to undress a girl with my eyes. I made a solemn pact never to undress a girl with my eyes. It's a covenant. Job understood that his eyes, if his eyes committed adultery, then that adultery would sink into his heart. And so you see, as Christians, guys, if, if, if these things flow out of our hearts, but our eyes are involved, then get this, we've got to address both. We've got to address our heart, but we also have to address our eyes. It's a big deal. Number three. Number three, Jesus teaches us in this passage that deeds of shame are preceded by fantasies of shame. Deeds of shame are actually preceded by fantasies of shame in verse 28 it says but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart and this thing adultery it is a shame but that shame doesn't just happen automatically it begins with with fantasy the key to unlocking this truth is understanding the tense and the voice of the word look in the greek it's the pre- pre- the, the present participle is, is that's a tense in the voice. And what that means is that the better translation for this in, in its original language would be to look and to continue on looking. This is not a, a casual glance. This isn't a guy walking down the street and an attractive woman walks by and, and happens to get his attention. Then he turns back around and says, Lord, forget I did it, you know, and he, he's back on his path. This is, this is somebody walks by, sees that initial look, turns back the other direction and then goes and begins to stare. And that stare isn't a stare of appreciation. That stare is a stare of wow. And that stare becomes a a, a matter of the mind. Now the mind is beginning to think. And now suddenly that stare is doing something for that individual. You see, that stare has ignited the passions of his imagination. And friends, that is adultery according to Jesus. It's a big deal. Now here's the problem with that. 
Our imagination is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, isn't it? You think about all the great advances in life, you know. I mean, come on, we live in a world today with every technology you could imagine, right? For those of us that have young children that never leave the toilet seat down, you can buy a toilet that will close itself. Wow, if I can find one that will clean itself, we are golden. Three boys, goodness gracious. The imagination is a great gift of God, but any great gift can be used for evil as well. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. Listen, before something becomes a terrible act, it always begins first in the mind. And when the mind begins to take a thought and begins to fantasize about it, that is what adultery is. When we see somebody and we begin to think about them in a way that we shouldn't, we begin to replace our spouse with them. When we read a book... And we think about, oh, that husband is so lovely and wonderful. Look at how he went. And you begin to fantasize. Oh, what would it be like if my husband were like that? It's adultery. It's adultery. It's the same thing. And so deeds of shame are always preceded by fantasies of shame. You've got to guard your minds. People don't accidentally trip and fall into bed with somebody. It always first begins with a thought. And that thought then begins, it gets the hamster wheel running, and then it becomes a fantasy, and then ultimately, somebody gives in. You've got to know that. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And finally, this passage teaches us that sin must be addressed through mortification, not mutilation. Mortification, what kind of word is that, Pastor? I debated uh, with my wife about whether or not I should include this word. I think if there's an opportunity to give you a word that some people use, I want to give it to you and explain what it is. Mutilation is when you injure the flesh. It's, it's putting to death a member of your body, right? So if you cut off your pinky, you've mutilated yourself. You killed your pinky, it's gone, right? Okay, then you walk around and things get difficult, okay? Mortification is when you kill off a fleshly desire. See, mutilation is about killing off the flesh. Mortification is about killing off the fleshly desire. And and I believe with all my heart, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, here's the deal. Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus is the best teacher that's ever walked the face of the planet. And as a good teacher, he teaches in a lot of different ways. Sometimes he teaches with stories. He calls them parables, right? And so he teaches a great story that has a, has a lesson. Other times he, he, he uses visual illustrations and he sees a guy sowing his field. And he kind of points his audience over there and says, and he teaches, a, see this man sowing his field. And he teaches about the different types of soil, right? It's got to land on the good soil, the seed does. He walks through a a vineyard with his his followers and says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. He's using these visual illustrations. He's a great teacher. Other times he teaches using questions. And somebody will ask him a question and he'll say, well, let me ask this of you. And he'll use that as a launching point for a little mini sermonette. He's a great teacher. And as such, one of the devices that he uses is called hyperbole. Now, hyperbole is just a bold, big, brash statement meant to draw your attention to a truth. But it's not necessarily meant to be taken literally. And so we believe, scholars believe, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He says, listen, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, I tell you. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And you say, well, how, how, how do I know that Jesus isn't mean that literally? There's a lot of people that have interpreted that way. Origen, the early church father who became a heretic, by the way, 
I, I wouldn't read his stuff. It's a little, anyway, gets off track pretty quick. He read this passage, and based upon these verses we're studying this morning, he was so convicted of his sin that he castrated himself. Now, he later regretted it, which, of course, some things you can't undo in life. But he teaches us a great lesson. What do we do with this passage? So if, if, if Jesus doesn't really mean cut off, and, and you say, well, Pastor, how do you know it doesn't mean cut off your hand? Well, again, Matthew 15, 19, if we read the Bible in context, is our hands the source of our sin? Right? I, I read about a guy in, in, uh, in Europe, and there was a pickpocket, and he got caught, and so they cut off his right hand. And you know what he did? He picked people's pocket with his left. And you know what happened after he got caught again? They cut off his left hand. And you know what he did? He picked people's pockets with his teeth. There's a joke there about putting your money where your mouth is, but we won't go there. <clears throat> the point is, the heart is the issue. So Jesus can't be teaching that we've got to cut off everything that we do, everything that touches sin. So what is he talking about? Well, what he is talking about is exactly what Paul writes about in Colossians chapter 3. Would you turn there with me this morning? Colossians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 5 and read down through 10. Um, Colossians chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, that, that word, put to death, it's necro in the Greek. It means literally kill. It means, in King James, it's interpreted mortify. That's where we get our, our big theological term. And if you ever hear somebody talk about mortification, that's what it means. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must get this, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. He's talking about mortification. We've got to put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. It means that since we've died with Christ, that death with Christ should be more than just a lip service. It, we, we, we shouldn't have died with Christ just in verbiage, should we? But we should actually to, have, have died with Christ in practice. Meaning that if, if I truly have died with Christ, that I've put to death all the misdeeds of my flesh, along with Jesus, that sin has died in me. It's been mortified. It means that we have to become in practice what we were made by divine act when we received Christ. We've got to put it to death. Now let me ask you a question. Do you know what happened? Men, how many of you really like to mow the lawn? I don't mean be outdoors, but you love cutting grass. It's your favorite thing. Raise your hand. All right. Now, how many of you like to be outdoors, men? Like to be outdoors, right? Woohoo! Okay. So, how many of you outdoors men do cut your grass? All right? Cut your grass. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Now, here's the deal if you're cutting grass and there's a huge weed in your yard, what do you do, man? If your wife is not outside, what do you do, man? You mow over that sucker, don't you, right? You just trim it off. You just kind of, you give it a little trimmy trim. Here's the problem with that. 
What happens if you keep mowing over a weed? Do you know the base of it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger? Do you know the roots of it just go deeper and deeper and deeper? And the same is true with sin. When you don't address sin, it always grows and it it always gets deeper and deeper. And here's the deal. If that's what you do with the weed, when you finally decide to get rid of the weed, you end up having to dig a six foot hole that's 12 inches wide. And now your lawn looks like something major happened to it when you could have pulled up the itty bitty thing from its roots when it first popped up. But that's what it takes to get to the root of it and to kill the sin And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you've got to be willing to get to the very root of the problem. And you've got to be willing to kill it. You've got to be willing to cut it out. All right. So what do we do with that? What do we do with those four truths? I'm going to give you a few things and we will be completely out of here. All right. Number one, we said it last week. We're going to say it through this whole section of scripture. You raise the bar. Now, listen, before you came in this morning, maybe you could live and walk around in ignorance and say, listen, I've never committed adultery. Nope, never done that. But guess what? You've heard Jesus say, if, if you've done it in practice, then it's sin in thought. All right. So if you find yourself fantasizing about a better husband, fantasizing about a better wife, thinking about the good old days, thinking about I wish they were like this. I wish they were like that. Guess what? Raise the bar. It's time to raise the bar. It's time to raise the bar. So we've got to start there. Number two, I want to challenge you to make a covenant with your eyes. Now, this is where it's different for guys and girls, and I'm going to explain in a second. Okay? Men, we are visual creatures, right? God made us that way. We are visual creatures. That's why our wives look better than us. That's how it works, right? We are visual creatures. Now, praise God, men, that women are not visual creatures. Amen? Right? They'd be looking at us and going, wait a second. You don't have enough hair. You've got a whole lot more down here than you used to have. All right? That thing's getting a little flabby. Things are looking a little shaky. I mean, oh, praise God that our wives are not visual creatures. I'm so glad that they're emotional creatures, you know? And they can look at us and go, oh, you have such a great sense of humor. Yes, I do. I do. I'm funny, funny, funny. That's what I am. I may be ugly, 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 but I am funny, funny, funny. Woohoo! I am sweet. Oh, yes, I am. I am sweet and funny, and that's, I'm your man. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Because if they were visual creatures, they'd be like, uh uh-uh. I want you to wear lifts in your shoes. You're going on a diet, and you're going to go get a tan. All right, are we good? But men are different. We are visual creatures. And so, men, I'm going to talk to you first about your eyes. Your eyes are your physical eyes. That's what you have to make a covenant with. You have to make a covenant with your physical eyes. And the covenant has to be something like Job. My eyes, listen to me eyes. Are you hearing me? We will not look it upon a woman lustfully. That means we will not think about a woman sexually as we would think about our wives. And you say, how do I do that? We live in this world where there's so much stuff on the internet. And there's so much stuff everywhere you turn. I want to I give you a tip, okay? Man, as your pastor, some years ago, uh, the Lord really worked in my life and, and brought some deliverance and things. And I started praying a prayer about my wife that has been uh, so effectual that she would tell you that I need to stop praying it. Uh, I, I pray on a regular basis almost every day. God, would you give me eyes and a heart for my wife and only my wife? 
God, would you give me desire and passion for my wife and for only my wife? And I am telling you, dude, God has answered that prayer over and over again to the point that hope is seriously like, would you please leave me alone? Would you come on, man? And she's like, stop praying. Stop it. And, and I, man, I'm telling you, it has been so good for a man that, listen, guys, I'm, I, I'm telling you, my, my dad wasn't around when I grew up. The first thing I learned about a woman was out of a magazine. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been down that road. I've walked in your shoes and I'm telling you there is deliverance in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you there is power to overcome all of those things. And, and, and listen, when you start praying these kind of prayers and God starts showing up and answering that kind of thing, brother, that's worship. That's worship. And I'm so grateful to my God for, for, the, for the passion that he's given me for my wife, for the fact that I think she's the hottest woman on the face of the planet. And I don't care if she understands it or not. Make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with your eyes. Now, ladies, I'm not talking about your physical eyes. I'm going to talk about the eyes of your mind and your heart. Talk about your emotional eyes. You see, with you, it's, it's not about, hey, you saw a guy and that guy's a better catch. It's about the fact that you watched a movie and this guy was such a great guy. Oh, my gosh, that that guy, he swept her off her feet and he said just the right thing, at just the right moment. And here my husband is. He can't even buy a card without just signing his name in it. And and well, guess what? That movie was written by a woman. That's why it makes you feel all tingly inside. All right. Ew. think about that one for a second. All right. And, and she knew what you needed and she wrote it into a script and some guy was paid to say it. You can have that at home. Just tell us what you want us to say. Just give us the script, man. We'll do it every day. We will wake up in the morning and say, Oh, you're like the sun rising out of the east. I've made you breakfast, but will you wait one second while I lay down the rose petals to the breakfast table? If you like, I'll carry you in just my right arm because I don't need my left. I can take off my shirt and ride a horse now if you'd like. <laughs> jiggle, 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 jiggle. All right. Anyway. Um, listen. Ladies. You have to guard the eyes of your heart. You have to guard the eyes of your emotion. Listen, with you, it's about the books that you read. And it's about the movies that you watch. And it's not just about that. It's also about your girlfriends that talk about their boyfriends and their husbands. Oh, he brought me flowers and he takes me out on dates. And he, anytime you find yourself wishing that your husband was more than he is. Anytime you find yourself fantasizing about a quality that your husband doesn't possess. That is the same thing as when your men turn on the computer. It is the same thing. It is no different. It's adultery. So you've got to make a covenant with your eyes. And and listen, ladies, I want to tell you this about guys. Here's the thing about guys. For the most part, we want to please you. And if we're if there's something you're thinking about that we're not, just tell us. Don't don't because you tell us by trying. Hey, honey, let's watch this movie. It'll be really good. And we're like, you know, I want to go watch Iron Man. I don't want to watch this. What is this crying stuff? You know? So if you want us to have a quality, tell us what you... Honey, I need you to bring me flowers at least once a month. Boom, done. I guarantee it. 
I, I need some time without children in our lives where you and I can talk. Boom, kids, you're going to bed at five. I mean it. Especially if other things are on the table. 4.30. Just saying. Your man will work with you. And, and, and guys, I'm going to be honest. If you'll talk about your struggles with your wife, she'll work with you too. You're going to find that God will draw your hearts together and that you can overcome this stuff. It's doable. Number three. Guard your mind. That's where this all happens. Listen, you can't gouge out your eyes. You can't cover up your eyes. You're going to see things. But when you see things, it's about what you do with them. Do you take those things in and begin to think on them and think about them and fantasize about them? Or at that very moment, in the name of Jesus, do you say, Jesus, I repent of that thought, I repent of that thing, and Satan, in Jesus Christ's holy name, I cast you out. You have no dominion and authority over me. Christ is my Lord, not you. Get out of here. Guard your mind. Number four. We'll done. We'll be done. Number four. Have a balanced attack. Have a balanced attack. What does that look like? Here's, here's Christian's error. We either do one or the other. We don't do both. You say, what am I talking about? Here, here's one. Galatians 5. So I say to you, walk in the Spirit. Okay? For the Spirit opposes the fleshly nature. And if you walk in the Spirit of God, Jesus automatically opposes sin, folks. So if you'll chase hard after Jesus, you're not going to sin, right? So that, that, that's one. The other side is defense, right? You still have to mortify the sins of the flesh. You've got to put them to death. You've got to dig down to the roots and kill them. So you've got to do both. And, and here's the problem we don't. It's kind of like gardening. Imagine for a second that you have a garden and you go out and you spend all this time, you get the garden ready, you plant all the stuff, you water it, but you never weed the garden. What kind of fruit are you going to have? What kind of crummy fruit. Okay? Because all the weeds are going to choke out all, all the plants. You, if you get any fruit, it's going to be real small, not taste very good. All its nutrients were sucked away by weeds. Okay? Now then you've got the other group. <laughs> and they go and they get the garden ready. And then they go out every single week and they weed the garden. And after months, they're wondering why they have no plants and they have no fruit. And the problem is, they spent all their time weeding the garden. They never actually planted any seeds. You can't get any fruit if you don't plant any seeds, right? You gotta do both. Both of them are necessary. And so I would say to you, have a balanced attack. And I'll share with you just just the last thing, and, and I'm gonna be completely done. Uh, Mother's Day, we went last uh, Sunday to, to Columbus to... Um, my in-law's house, and it's Mother's Day, and so we did what anyone would do on Mother's Day for, for your mother-in-law. We went and helped our father-in-law build a pump house. I don't know. All the boys were there, and all of a sudden, you know, it's not like he called and said, hey, by the way, because I probably wouldn't have come, right? And so you show up, and whatever you're wearing for Mother's Day, hey, come grab this wall and help me bolt it into the concrete. Yeah. It's like 125 million degrees out here. I'm wearing pants. Anyway. Uh-huh. So we do that. Is there a scorpion down here? Okay. All right. We're good. Uh, I'm not scared of those things. I'm fine. So, so, so we do that. And as we're building this thing, Hope and her mom and, and the kids, they go get in the golf cart and they're riding around. And evidently my mother-in-law has never actually figured out that the golf cart never gets plugged in. It's not electric. So they're driving around and all of a sudden there's a put, put, put. She's like, oh, maybe something's wrong. They get a couple streets over and sure enough, it runs out of gas. 
And so my two boys come running back, Daddy, Daddy, they're out of gas. And, you know, father-in-law says, hey, grab that gas can. I grab it, and I jump in the truck, and I run down there, fill it up with gas, and they come home, and I come home. I'm taking the gas can to go put it back up in the barn, and I look down before I set it down, and there coiled right behind the gas can that I just grabbed is a massive copperhead snake. And when I say massive, you know, copperheads, when they're like this big, kind of freak me out. This one was, was, was a good-sized copperhead snake. And I want to tell you what I didn't do with the copperhead snake. I did not, after seeing that nice copperhead snake, decide, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of manage him. I'm, you know what I'm gonna do? Let's just leave him there and give him his own space. And, and, uh, and we'll, we'll just, he won't hurt anybody. We're just, I, I also didn't pet him. I, I didn't go, oh, here, little copperhead, it's okay, you poor thing. Did your mom leave you all alone? Did, I, I didn't pick him up and, and try to see if he would wrap around me. I didn't do that with the copperhead. Imagine that. I, I, I didn't try to treat the copperhead. I didn't try to build him a little box so that, so that he could be maintained there. You know what we did? We grabbed the hoe and we chopped the little copperhead into like a, a bunch of pieces. I think I said 12 the first time I told the story and 22 in the early morning service. It, we just killed him, right? We killed him dead. Now, if that's what we would do with a poisonous snake, that could just harm our bodies. Why isn't that what we do with sin that has much greater, much deeper reaching effects? The call of Scripture, friends, is not to trim the sin. It's not to make it so that nobody else can see it. It's not to manage the sin. The call of Scripture is to mortify and to kill the sin. To do whatever it takes to cut it out at its very roots. And if you'll do that, you'll find that this life is so much better than what you thought. I I told some guys this yesterday morning. I know so many Christians, they spend their whole life, and if their life is a lawn, they spend their whole life dealing with the weed of lust and adultery. I know so many men that that is their life. I mean, I mean, their whole focus in their Christian walk is just trying to stop this action. Just trying this one. And they don't understand there's so much more out there for them. God has this, this great glorious land for them. And all they can do is spend all their time and energy and effort on this weed. Ladies, maybe that's not your weed. But maybe yours is your self-image. Maybe yours is your fear or trust. I don't know. But I can tell you this, if you're spending all your time, energy, and effort on one weed, you're missing the glorious promise that God has for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. There's more to life than just this. So kill the weed and start living the life that God has intended for you to live from the day that he formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. Would you pray with me?